Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. As Mitch said, my name is Cammie, and I'm one of the ministers here, and I'm so excited to be here this morning. Today, I'm finishing up our five-week series called Follow Me. And as Mitch said, what we're looking at are the people who chose to follow Jesus. Some followed him because they saw his life. They saw the miracles that he had done. And then there's others who followed him because Jesus invited them. He said, follow me. And they got up, and they followed him. So since I don't preach a whole lot, maybe once or twice a year, they gave me the easy verse. And I'm kidding. Okay, here it goes. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross, and follow me. Y'all got that? Everybody's good. All right, in Jesus' name. Okay, Um, follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? No big deal, right? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. So since I'm wrapping this series up, I just wanna remind us, what does it mean to follow? The definition of follow is to go or come after a person or a thing proceeding ahead, to move or to travel behind. Okay, have you ever been to a concert? Like one of those like legit concerts, there's a ton of people there. Or have you been to like a sports, you know, Panthers game, one of your favorite teams, and you're trying to get around, and there's a lot of people and you're following someone? (laughs) It is not easy to follow in a situation like that. You have to want to follow them. You have to stay close to them. Or how about when you're following someone in a car to get somewhere because you don't know where you're going? Okay, my husband, he's usually the one leading in the car. And sometimes it's me following and other times it's someone else. Well, I gotta be honest, he is not the easiest person to follow in a car. I told him I was gonna say this, so don't worry. Um, Because when he drives, he tends to forget that there's someone following him. Last summer, we went to the beach, and we had some college students following us. They were going to the beach with us. And I'm like, honey, you just lost them. He's like, well, they need to keep up. So (laughs) when he's going, he does that kind of thing where it's like he changes lanes, but there's not enough room for you to get behind him. Okay, and then the yellow light comes, and he just goes right through. And I'm like, great. So the person behind is either going to gun it, or they're going to sit there, and they're going to lose you. So I may or may not be that passenger in the car that loves to help my husband drive. (laughs) Philip just happened to send me a video from a Christian comedian a couple weeks ago, Tim Hawkins, and it's talking about his wife and how she likes to help him drive. He says, when you get married, you get a little helper in the car. I love my little helper. She knows everything about driving. Sometimes I get confused and I don't know how I get anywhere without my helper in the car. I'd probably be, hold on. 
I'd probably be bouncing off trees and buildings and such, but she is always there to help. She tells me when the light changes colors and everything. I always know how fast I'm going with my helper. She lets me know. She asks, do you know how fast you're going? And I say, yes, I have my little speedometer thingy, but thanks for the backup. If that thing ever snaps in half, I've got you to back me up. So raise your hand if you've ever thought these things, if you've ever had a helper, raise your hand. Okay. Philip loves me being his helper, by the way. Just a little insight into our marriage. Makes him happy. So as we look at this example, when we're following someone, and of course today we're talking about what it means to follow Jesus, there are a few things that we have to do. We have to, number one, want to follow. We have to, number two, keep our eyes on the one we're following. And number three, stay close to the one we're following. And the same is true when we're following Christ. We have to want to follow him. We have to keep our eyes on him and we have to stay close to him. So at the beginning of these verses that we're looking at today, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. If we want to be Jesus's disciples, we have to do these three things to follow him. In fact, he uses a strong word. He says, we must do these things. But I want to point out something that I'm not sure that I've ever really seen before when I've read these scriptures. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple. I had not caught the whoever wants before. It doesn't say everyone should be my disciple or you have no choice but to be my disciple. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple. It is a choice for each one of us. And then he goes on to say, here's what you do if you want to be a disciple. Well, people come in here today, and, and Mitch already said this. People come in here today. Some of you are just checking things out. You don't even know what you think of this whole Jesus thing. Some of you have no idea if you would ever want to be a disciple of Christ. So today, as we look at these scriptures, I'm going to mainly be addressing those who do want to follow Christ, that are disciples of Christ. But if you're here and that's not you, it is okay. We're so glad that you're here today checking things out. The word disciple is not used in everyday conversation, as you might imagine. Hey, what's up? Are you a disciple? I mean, we don't, we don't do that in our everyday language. So what does it actually mean to be a disciple? Not everybody knows that word and what it means. The definition of disciple is a follower or student of a teacher or leader. Let me read that again. The definition of disciple is a follower or student of a teacher or leader. A disciple learns by watching and then by doing. A disciple is more about what you do than what you know. A disciple is a learner. Now I'm guessing some of you hear that word and you're like, disciple. Okay, that is for like the really churchy people. That's for the people who say those really long prayers and read their Bible all the time. That's not for real, normal, everyday people like me. Well, if you look at the disciples that Jesus had, you will quickly know that these are everyday, normal people. Some were fishermen. One was a tax collector. They messed up a lot. So we are in good company. To become a disciple, you don't have to know everything about the Bible. 
To become a disciple, you don't have to have everything in your life cleaned up. There is no way. None of us can do that. You can still be a disciple if you yelled at your kids on the way to church today, which nobody from Lake Forest does, I'm sure. You can still be a disciple if you got in a fight with your spouse or with a friend. You can still be a disciple if you have done things in your past that you are ashamed of. Being a disciple is wanting to follow Jesus, studying his life, and following his example. So let's continue on with the verse. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, I want us to be able to know these commands by the end of this service today. So repeat after me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. So what does it mean to deny ourselves? So when I think of that and I hear deny yourself, I typically think of things like chocolate, social media, Diet Coke, coffee, which I'll never, ever do. But that is denying ourselves of a thing. But in this context, to deny ourselves means to take self out of the center of our lives and to put God at the center. Denying yourself is saying no to self and yes to God. To deny ourselves is completely countercultural. It's seen as extreme. We don't want naturally to deny ourselves. We want to indulge ourselves. We want to be comfortable. We want an easy, carefree life. We don't want to do anything that's going to inconvenience us. John Piper says, we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross because we are so liable to find our pleasures elsewhere. Every day I must deny myself because my bent is to seek pleasure elsewhere. Left to ourselves, we're going to pursue everything that brings us comfort, even though that comfort is temporary. We're gonna pursue convenience. We're gonna pursue everything that causes us to not feel pain maybe to numb out, to loosen up. But when we're pursuing and chasing after those things, then we are not pursuing being a disciple of Christ. Greg Laurie says, every day there are thousands of opportunities to deny myself and glorify God or deny God and glorify myself. And then someone said, and I absolutely love this, how can you deny yourself when you are full of yourself? So since I've been thinking about this for a while, I'm gonna paint a picture of you, up to you of something that happens at our house. So at night, Philip and I would be sitting on the couch. It's been a long day. I have cooked the family dinner, which consists of appetizer, main course, dessert. <laughs> okay. If you believe that, I'm a liar. Okay, so I've, we're sitting there. My family is somehow fed, and we're just totally chilling out, right? Well, Zach, our son, is on the other couch. Starts getting later and later. Who's putting him to bed? So there's this internal standoff. Now, we don't say anything, but the clock's a ticking, and I'm like, is he going to do it? Am I going to do it? And so when I'm in that deny yourself mode, which is every day, and no, I'm just kidding. When I'm in that mode, I will get up and say, honey, I've got it. I'll take Zach to bed. But when I'm not, I'm like, I am sitting here. I am planted and he better do it at some point. 
So there's a few more examples for us. If the trash needs to be taken out, you could do it yourself instead of waiting for someone else to do it. Deny yourself. Or if the dishes need to be cleaned, you could actually take them up from the table and not just put them in the sink, but do that extra step and put them in the dishwasher. Deny yourself. Or if there's, this is my favorite, if there's only one square of toilet paper left on that roll, for the love, take it off and put on a new roll. Woo, okay, amen. Yes, deny yourself. Denying ourselves in what might seem to be the little things can actually really become the big things because in so doing, we learn to begin to deny ourselves. Teenagers, oftentimes it's so easy to want to build your empire on social media by posting pictures of yourself all the time with your little Starbucks in hand to show what you're doing. And then you sit and you wait for the likes to come in. Refresh, refresh. Because you're so worried about what people think about you. Well, guess what? They most likely aren't thinking of you at all because they're so busy thinking of themselves and what you are thinking of them. What if instead of putting yourself in the center of your world, worrying about what people think of you and finding your worth that way, what if you were able to focus on what God thinks of you? When you focus on that, you're not going to be constantly seeking approval from others. You're not gonna be finding your self-worth in what people think. Once you truly understand what God thinks of you, and this goes for every one of us here, then all of a sudden, we're gonna realize and we're gonna learn what does it mean to deny ourselves? How radical would it be instead of posting things about ourselves to ask the questions, how can I encourage someone else right now? How can I build them up? How can I take the focus off myself and put it on others? Or for any of us, social media users or not, what if we pray and we ask God who it is that we can reach out to and encourage? You have no idea what that could mean in someone's life. And most of all, it could be exactly what they need at that time. So a few questions that I want us to ask ourselves as we think about how to deny ourselves. Knowing that the ultimate goal of this denial of self is to become a disciple of Christ. Number one, what are some pleasures that you often give into that show that you are saying yes to self and no to God? Is it having a drink every night of the week? Or is it drinking more than you know you should? Is it your social media intake? Is it watching TV too much when your family needs you? Is it spending too much money without even thinking about it? What is it for you? Number two, what is something that you can do for someone that you know will make their load a little lighter? Maybe it's offer to babysit, offer to bring a meal. You know what that is with the people that you're involved with in your life. And number three, where can you loosen your grip on your time and your agenda and give some of it to serving others. So whatever we need to know, whatever we do, we need to know what does it mean to be a disciple? He must deny himself. And then it says to take up your cross. 
Remember I said we're gonna know these three commands by the end of the service. So repeat after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Okay, but I'm gonna pause for a minute before I jump into taking up your cross and what that means. I wanna acknowledge that these verses are not the easiest ones to swallow. Every time I read these, I'm like, wow, that's kinda big. And then I just keep going because I don't think I'm doing it. Too often, I think we are sold like a prosperity gospel. If I do this, then Jesus will bless me. If I follow Jesus, then I'm gonna be happy all the time. But guess what? There is often disillusionment in that because what happens is when things get hard or things don't turn out like we should, then we don't understand. Why is that? Being a Christian does not preclude us from experiencing pain and loss and death and depression, anxiety, loss of job, marriages, friendships. It does not mean these things will happen to us by any means, but it also does not mean that they won't happen to us. I think that following Christ is sugar-coated because we want people to follow Christ. We want people to become a Christian. So that's what we do sometimes. How many of you have heard an altar call that says this, and this might be what Algie heard. Come follow Jesus and you may have the loss of friends, family, reputation, career, and possibly even your life. Yippee! I mean, how many of you have actually heard it said that way? It is, again, a right desire to want people to follow Christ. But we need to let them know and be responsible enough to let them know that there is a cost. And I think many people, without actually saying these things out loud, they ask these questions. What is the least I can give up and still be a Christian? What is the least amount of money that I can give to the church and still feel okay about myself? What is the most I can do doing all the things that I wanna do for myself without actually crossing that line. Jesus never promised us an easy life. He never did. In fact, he said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. But even in that trouble that we face, he is there with us. His last words to the disciples were Matthew 28, 20. And surely I am with you always even to the end of the age. I had no idea when I gave my life to Christ what was ahead of me. None of us do. But I did quickly learn in all the things that came my way that God is with me. I had no idea that we would someday have a child with Down syndrome. I had no idea that I would still experience depression at times, loneliness at times. But God has given me just what I need at every turn. It may take me a long time to realize that when I'm in this situation. Maybe I go to other things first, but he is with me. And maybe that's something that you need to hear this morning. Maybe there's a place in your life today where you're asking the question, God, are you really there? When you started to be a disciple of Christ, you also did not know what was ahead of you. You didn't know some of the things that were gonna happen in your life. And maybe some of this is you. You didn't know that you would not be able to have children. You did not know that your adoption would fall through. 
You didn't know that you would be faced with situations at work where you would be asked to compromise your faith. You didn't know that your parents would get a divorce or you would get a divorce. You didn't know that you would struggle with depression or anxiety. You didn't know that your marriage or your relationships or friendships were going to be so hard. But no matter what you are going through, he is with you. No matter what has come into your life, joys and sorrows, he is with you. He does not promise a pain-free life. He never did. But he does promise to be with us. So let's get back to this verse. What does it mean to take up your cross? Now, in another account, in Luke, it adds a very important word to this. It's Luke 9.23, and it says, carry your cross daily. Carry your cross daily. This is something we need to do every single day of our lives. This is not just a one and done. We need to die to self every day. So what is Jesus asking us to carry? Well, let's look at what the cross means. The cross is where Jesus sacrificed his very life for us. He gave his life for us to have a relationship with God. The cross was a symbol of death, death to self. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took on our sins on the cross. The cross was the worst, most brutal form of death that there was, and yet it was the greatest form of sacrifice for Jesus. Denying myself does not come easy. I guarantee it doesn't come easy for you as well. And sometimes it is the very opposite of what I want to do. I can either walk by the Spirit of God or I can walk in the flesh. More often than not, I tend to walk in my flesh. In Galatians 5, 16 and 17, Paul says this, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. We're not the only ones that feel this way, that have this battle with flesh and spirit. Another verse, Romans 7:15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I can definitely relate to that. And also when it's like the same sins over and over and over that I give into. But when we die to self, we need to know that there is a cost. And that cost is to not follow the desires of our flesh, but to follow the spirit. We carry the cross if... We want to be a disciple of Christ. When we die to self and we realize that there is a cost, one of the reasons why we realize this is Jesus was very clear, in fact, crystal clear in what he said in Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So to take up our cross, it means that we have to be willing to endure opposition, shame, suffering, and even death for the sake of Christ. Every single day, we have opportunities to carry the cross, to make sacrifices. We have to be willing to put to death, though, our own plans, our own ideas, our own agenda, and exchange those for his. 
We have to be willing to say, not my will, but yours be done, instead of by our actions saying, not your will, but mine be done. So if you want to be a disciple, Jesus says, what? Deny yourself? Okay, that's pathetic. Deny yourself? Take up your cross? Follow me. So it's interesting to see what comes next in these verses. Matthew 16, 25 and 26, Jesus says this, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Saving our lives is really losing our lives. It's keeping ourselves at the center. It's doing whatever we want to do to make ourselves happy and to feel good. It's giving in to our worldly desires without any thought of God. It's accumulating all the stuff that we think is gonna make our life good and make ourselves happy. But in the context of Jesus' question, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? If a person rejects Jesus and has the most incredible job, they're at the top of the corporate ladder, they make more money than anyone around them, but they're not following Jesus, guess what? They can't take any of that stuff with them. Saving life equals losing it. Losing life equals saving it. Saving our lives means to avoid opposition and shame and suffering and death, and instead pursuing acceptance, glory, comfort, and safety. But by embracing our lives and grasping hold to the cross, eventually we will find our lives. Matthew 16, 26 What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? There is nothing, nothing to gain in this world that is worth losing our very souls for. There's never enough money. There's never enough worldly possessions. There's never enough sports trophies. Never enough climbing the corporate ladder. Never anything that you can gain in this world that is worth losing your soul over. Bob Marley, who's a famous reggae musician, on his deathbed, he told his son, money can't buy life. Justin Bieber, when interviewed in 2016, he talked about the paralyzing aspects of fame. Now, we would look at his life and think, he's gained the world. He's got fame. He's got money. He's got popularity. But guess what? Even in gaining the world in the worldly way that we look at it, here's what he said. When asked if he feels depressed ever, he said, all the time, and I feel isolated. You're in your hotel room, and there are fans all around, paparazzi following you everywhere, and it gets intense. When you can't go anywhere or do anything alone, you get depressed. I just want people to know that I'm human. I'm struggling just to get through the days. And he also admitted that he would not wish fame upon anyone. 
So here we are today, we're at the end of our series, Follow Me. And Jesus says to us, whoever wants to be a disciple, which is a student of Christ, and that's an open invitation to all who put their trust in him, we are to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. Last time, you ready? Deny yourself. Okay, y'all rock, thank you. And at lunch today, I want you to say, what was it again? And you all better be able to say it to each other. So here are two questions that I want us to ask ourselves as we close today. Number one, do you want to be a disciple of Christ? Do you want to be a disciple of Christ? Is he worth following to you? This may be one of the most important questions you ever ask yourself. And if you answer yes, then I'm sure that you have picked up today that there is a cost. But I've been following Christ since I was 15 years old, and I will tell you there is absolutely nothing more worth it. And maybe you are a disciple of Christ already, and I hope just looking at these scriptures again has encouraged you to stay with it, continue at it. And number two, how can you deny yourself and pick up your cross each week? When you're in situations this week and then on, ask yourself, how can I deny myself? How can I deny myself in this situation? Denying yourself is not to lose yourself. But again, it's putting Christ in the center and taking self out. Again, do you want to be a disciple of Christ? And how can you deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow God? Let me pray for us. Father, Thank you today, God, that we have an opportunity to follow you. God, thank you that because of the cross, because of your sacrifice that you made for us, we now have an opportunity to become a disciple of yours. Father, it's not easy to follow you because we get so distracted by so many things. But God, help us to learn what it means to put you in the center. God, to serve others to follow you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.